Hi, I'm Jake, your podcast producer here at New Hope, and I'd like to invite you to join us with her a new show. It's called What Do I Say? and it's hosted by Pastor Ryan. It seeks to answer just that question. What do I say when I'm dealing with these issues? Whether that's homosexuality, the problem of good and evil, or does God exist? We invite you to listen along to today's episode. It's a good one. Hello and welcome to the podcast show called What Do I Say? My name is Ryan and I'm the lead pastor at New Hope Church and I'm joined by another staff pastor, Jake. Howdy. Hey, I want to thank you for listening today, wherever you might be. As a reminder, the goal of this monthly podcast is to apply the timeless truth of scripture to the timely topics that we face today. More than ever, we need to be equipped as followers of Jesus to be able to respond to the pressing questions of the day. We need to be able to build a clear, theologically accurate foundation for faith in Jesus in a culture that is increasingly anti-Christian. Mm, the goal that. of each episode is to take on one topic and, and aim to equip you to think and to respond biblically about that topic. Of course, as always, if you have uh, any questions or you want to interact more about this topic or, or really any other, you are welcome to email me at ryan at newhopeadel.org. I'd love to hear from you. In fact, we do hear from, from many of you who do listen, and we thank you for that. Well, today we have a new topic, and here it is. What do I say about happiness? Now, maybe your first thought is, well, what do I say about happiness is, I like it. Um, I want it. I, you know, everyone, we all, we want, we want happiness today. We, we want a happily ever after tomorrow. And, and we do those things that we believe will help us find the happiness that we're looking for. I'll even go so far as to say that many, many times, many of us think that we deserve happiness. Mm -hmm. Jake, this might be before your time, but do you remember that song by Bobby McFerrin, 1988? Don't worry, oh, be yeah. happy. Oh yeah, that existed. That, that went around for a while. It was a global number yeah. one hit. I think because in part the message, but part because it was this acapella, very unique song. Mm -hmm. But it caught, and mm -hmm. it caught the sentiment of people. We long to be happy and to do those things that we think will help us find that and to achieve that. But here's the thing. Many today report not experiencing meaningful happiness. So the question is, why? What's going on? Here's what I like to suggest as an answer. I think we've forgotten how to live hmm. and how to live well. What do you mean by that? What I mean is that we as, as individuals, a society, and even the church, we, we tend toward empty, self-centered existence. Ooh. Ooh. Let me give you an example. If you go to the dictionary and you look up the word happy, and I know based on different dictionaries, it might alter just a little bit, but I went to the dictionary and here's what I found. The definition provided is a feeling of pleasure and contentment based on circumstances. Do you notice that? It's a feeling, but it's all hinged on the circumstances that we find ourselves in. See, if we think happiness is connected to or dependent on how I feel, or what's going on around me, then I'm going to have problems because emotions and circumstances are constantly changing. They're never the same. Yeah. Moment by moment, day by day. It becomes a very unstable way to live. Yeah, I like, I like that you said self-centered. I mean, because 
one of the questions I get asked probably almost more often than than any other question I get is, doesn't God want me to be happy? And it's, and that's exactly what it is, is it's ultimately a very self-centered question. It's, okay, God is, I want God to do what makes me happy. I want what I want, and I want God to do that for me. And so self-centered kind of hits that nail right on the head. Yeah, that's a really good way to say it. And what that does then is it puts God as that, uh, and this is a common thing that's been kicked around over the years, but the uh, the cosmic vending machine, mm-hmm. yeah, the, his job is to serve us. Mm-hmm. You know, we pop in the quarter, we make our request, and he's supposed to grant that. Mm-hmm. We use God, we don't love him. Yeah. In this case, about happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, the result is if if we truly live out this mindset, this worldview about happiness, what happens is that this person, and, and look, all of us, we, we live out what we believe. So if we believe this to be true in terms of what happiness is all about, it's a, a feeling based on circumstances, here's what happens to us as people. And I don't say this to be mean or to intentionally step on toes, but let's call it what it is. When this is the case, we become first very individualistic. Mm-hmm. It's sort of about me, myself, and I. And what happens for that person is that we're constantly taking our happiness temperature. I mean, all the time, it's everything that we do, everything that we encounter or we see, we sort of evaluate through this grid of, does this make me happy? Does this add happiness or take away happiness? Pleasure, pain pain ratio, whatever you want to call it. I mean, that's how people advise kids, teenagers to make decisions is do what makes you happy. I mean... Think about what job you want. Do whatever makes you happy. Oh, you're doing this and it's painful. It's challenging. Well, if it doesn't make you happy, you should should just, it's okay to get rid of that. Lose those negative things in your life. Yeah. That that type of, yeah. Very, again, individualistic way to live. And I'm glad you said that word. Hope you all caught that. Hedonism. Jake's right. That's exactly what that is. Hedonism is this worldview that says the the way to live life is to maximize my personal happiness and to minimize any pain. Mm-hmm. And that becomes the grid for all decision-making. Mm. Well, in addition to being very individualistic, this person also becomes, and I know a good way to say this, I'm just going to say it this way, infant-like. And what I mean by that is an infant, if you can imagine, and we all can, constantly needs soothing, comfort, an instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Well, if we're measuring, and again, the happiness temperature of ourselves, and we're sort of evaluating feelings and circumstances, we become very infant-like in that way. Yeah. What's well, going to make me happy right now? I'm not thinking about how it impacts other people or what how this impacts my future a year from now or 10 years from now. It's today. Oh, it's right now. That's a really powerful picture, especially... If we're talking as Christians, how we interact with God is we become just babies who cry and cry and cry and want and want and want, but are never truly content. Hmm. And if God doesn't soothe us the way we expect him to, right. we'll stomp and we'll whine and we'll mm-hmm. complain and we'll we'll blame God. Yeah. Yeah, because just with like with a toddler, sometimes what they want is not always what's best. And exactly. We're the same way, but how about this one, number three? narcissistic. Mm. Now this topic deserves its own podcast and we'll do that someday, but this is a person wrapped in self infatuation. 
and this person can cause damage oh, with yeah. other people. And so this begins to happen too in this individualistic infant like mindset. How about this one? Number four, constantly dissatisfied. When we build this, we're going to call it a consumer mindset that, that dwells only on what I'm missing, what's not there, what I don't have and constantly looks for satisfaction in getting something new. I mean, we know advertising, it's built on the premise to build in us dissatisfaction. Hmm. Again, so you go and you buy that product or you pursue that thing. That's what, that's what marketing does. It builds a need that we didn't know we had before we saw the marketing campaign. See, you say we all know that, but I don't know that we all think about it that often. Probably not because it's the fish yeah. tank we're swimming in, right? Yeah. Does a fish know it's wet? Maybe not, but this is what barrages us mm -hmm. all the time. When you started off the podcast, I think even in your intro talking about how things are anti-God um, and I was, it, it was kind of an interesting, I knew where you were headed. So like, is happiness anti-God? But no, but is the idea that we should be in a world that constantly strives to make us dissatisfied, that is very much against what God is for, which is contentment with what we have instead of always chasing new and better for us. Exactly. For us and from the world. Mm-hmm. You know, we get that thing and we think, well, now I'll be satisfied and, and maybe for a moment, mm -hmm. but there'll be a new thing. I think this is why that, remember that U2 song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, mm -hmm. just came out and sing too. It got mm -hmm. recycled in terms of our current uh, youth culture. It, that becomes the mantra for this, mm -hmm. that constant searching, that constant yearning. I don't have enough. I'll never have enough. Dissatisfied mindset. Yeah. Always looking towards the next thing and immediate dissatisfaction when you get there. Here's a last descriptor, I think, for a person who lives out this misdefinition of what is happiness. This person can become a user. And what I mean by that is this person will begin to view their activities, so a job, church, et cetera, whatever the case may be. So you view activities and then you view others, mm. friends, spouse, kids, the Lord, as objects that exist to build my own happiness. Yeah, seen this. And if you don't come through like I expect, well, I cut off the activity. Mm -hmm. I leave the church. I find another church that I think is going to make me more happy. Yeah. We leave our spouse. We walk away from God. And this, be why? Because we're using them. We're not loving them. Mm. So this is a big deal. These types of characteristics. And I think when you, in my opinion, at least, these five characteristics I talked about, we can see them in culture today. We can see them sometimes in our own lives as well. But they're much easier to point out in other people's lives. Oh, so. Isn't that true? <laughs> Absolutely. So I would say then to some degree, all of us have forgotten, or maybe we never learned, how to live well. And we're carrying around a misunderstanding of happiness that has been instilled into us all of our lives. So I want to throw out a paradox and this is something I hope all of us who are listening, you remember this, because here's the paradox of happiness. It's this, that the more we try to get it, the less of it we have. And that's why it's a paradox. The more you try to get it, the less of it you will have. Viktor Frankl, he, he had this quote that echoes the exact same thing, sort of a famous quote. He said, it is the very pursuit of happiness that thwarts happiness. In other words, 
when you go looking for happiness, you're not going to find it. Instead, happiness is a byproduct. This is so important that we get this. It is a byproduct. You find happiness when you're pursuing something else more meaningful. Ooh. When like you do that. that, happiness will come. If you only pursue happiness, not going to find it. Now, we could probably pause there real quick, or maybe you're listening and you need to push pause on whatever <laughs> device you're listening on. But let that sink in for a moment because it is so sort of counterintuitive. And it's counter the training that we have received from the culture that we live in. So I think the big question then is... Well, can, can, I, can I back you up just a little oh, sure. bit? So we talked a little bit about advertising and whatnot, but where else... You talk about the training in the culture we see. Where else do you see kind of this, this push? This, where else do we receive this worldview? Well, we don't receive it from one place, do we? Yeah. We have marketing, but then you have social media, you have it in mm. education, you have it in you know, pop culture media, so movies and TV yeah. shows expressed in different ways. You, you have it in... in parents who learned it from their parents that pass it along to their children. It's, it just becomes a predominant worldview that becomes embraced and, and not questioned mm -hmm. any longer. And really, we see this solidified in the dictionary. Yeah, I mean, if you could go back 100 years and look up, how do we define happiness? I don't know what the answer is, but maybe it's different. And so those definitions begin to, because words matter, mm -hmm. and they begin to change how we view these types of things. So it doesn't come from just one place, yeah. but nonetheless, it becomes part of how we're socialized. This is what we expect. Mm -hmm. This is what we know. This is what our friend culture thinks and assumes in the media, and everything reinforces it. And before we know it, we don't question it. We just live it out. I mean, Romans 1 talks about... It, it sounds like it kind of, it just happens without us even trying. And it reminds me of Roman 1 that says, do not be conformed to the world. And I think, I don't know, this has been eye-opening for me even just to realize there's so many things that have kind of pushed me and conformed my thoughts about happiness without me even realizing it. And so even just being aware is so important. Absolutely. Which is a great segue because if we want to know what is that something that's meaningful that we're called to pursue, to live this epic life. And I don't know about you as listeners, but why wouldn't we pursue that? You get one shot. Mm -hmm. You know, in terms of life, you get one turn on the dance floor, live it well. What does that look like to live that out? And we need to go to scripture for that because that's what's going to give us both truth, but also it's going to push back against the mindset of current culture that is is not rooted in scripture. It is moving rapidly away from that. And so to that end, I'd like to just unpack some verses that help us get some bearings on what that would look like. Because I would suggest to us all that the, the something that, that we should be pursuing that has meaning is an invitation that each person is given. Each person is given this invitation to live different. And when I say different, I mean different from what we see around us, different from other people. Different, not just for the sake of different, but different because we're called to be different by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as expressed and commanded and outlined in Scripture. See, here's, here's the invitation. Now, for some of you, I'd I, I love to see your faces when, when we say this, because the invitation of what is meaningful is an invitation to death. 
In other words, to die to self. That becomes the key. What I mean by this is the invitation is to discover happiness as described in Scripture. The key to this is to empty ourselves and choose selfless living. That's the pursuit. Mm. That's the pursuit. That's the thing that as we pursue that, the byproduct will be, not I promise you, the scriptures promise happiness. This is the invitation we have to consider. So for example, Matthew chapter 16, verse 25, it says this, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me, speaking of Jesus, will find it. See, once again, we have, it's a paradox. When we stop living focused on self and live for Jesus, then we discover how to live. Mm. Or how about uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 23? This discipleship invitation, which says, If anyone would come after me, so follow Christ, he must deny himself, this is exactly what we're talking about, and take up his cross daily and follow me. We see it very clearly, deny self, die to self, and live a life marked by obedience to him. But look, these verses, and there's many others like it, these verses on the surface and in reality are contradictory to our picture of what it means to pursue happiness. Oh, yeah. It's totally different. I mean, we would ask ourselves the question, well, how can we be happy if we choose the opposite of what we want? or what we think is going to satisfy or fill our cup or whatever it is that we measure for happy, the feeling and the circumstance. That becomes that lordship decision that we have to wrestle with. Are we going to obediently take these types of scriptures and say, I will choose to deny myself or I'm going to keep living the way I've been doing it? Here's why I think this is so important. And if you don't remember anything else from this podcast, I hope you remember what I'm about to say next. Self-denial, what we've been talking about, it is so important because it's self-denial that makes room for God in our lives. Self-denial makes room for God in our lives. When we are filled with ourselves, there's no room to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I don't mean that in a salvation way. I mean that in a lordship and obedience way of walking in step with him. We have to get ourselves out of the way, slay the self, if you will, so that we can make room for God in our heart and in our lives. We experience, therefore, meaningful happiness when we experience the Lord. That's mm. where that comes from. And his meaningful work in our lives. So what... What does self-denial look like? Because, I mean, you can say that word, and I mean, I almost kind of think of monks. Like, I eat once a week and don't talk to anyone. Like, is that what self-denial looks like? What does it look like for a Christian living in a Dell in Dallas County in Iowa in 2022? Great question. And to get very practical, it means that we approach each decision that we have in front of us each and every day with a mindset that doesn't say, me first mm. and filter those decisions through only how that impacts me. For example, those of you out there who are husbands that are listening to this, what do we know about our role as husbands? We are called as Christ laid down his life for the church 
we are called to lay down our lives for our wives. Now, you might say, well, would that take a bullet? I mean, maybe, but no, what it's really talking about there, of course, is the idea of daily saying, or prioritizing, excuse me, our spouse above ourselves. Philippians 2 talks about that. Don't just consider your own interests, but also the interests of others. And I would suggest this is a mark of maturity. Mm -hmm. Anybody can be self-focused, but we learn and we grow um, as a person and as a follower of Christ as we get ourselves out of the way and we're able to consider the interests of others, not only ourselves. I love you talked about every single decision, and it, it reminded me just even the little things. Um, my father, uh, my, both of my parents love guacamole. I promise this is going somewhere. They both love guacamole. I mean, so when we go to a Mexican restaurant, they are ordering the guac, and every single time they order guacamole, my mother always gets the last chip. She always gets the last scoop, the scoop, and like they both love it. And it's, it's such a silly thing, but it is just it's it's a little tiny sacrifice, and I've never seen him forget to do that. Every time it's just, okay, this is what I do because he's literally preferring her in that silly decision of guacamole. He prefers her, and that's such a I mean silly, but it's a very real example of. And then you scale that up to the big things and. You can see how it can really make a difference. So all this being true and embraced as we wrestle with this of self-denial, making room for God, and that we're going to find meaningful happiness in the Lord. And as we experience him and his meaningful work in our lives, here's the second thing I really want you to remember, all of you who are listening, wherever you may be, and it's that happiness is ultimately found in holiness. Happiness is found in holiness. See, this is why the Bible says things like this. In Psalm chapter 1, Psalm 1, verse 1, it says, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Or how about Psalm 112, verse 1? It says, Blessed, meaning happy again, is the person who fears the Lord and who finds great delight in his commands. Or what I think is one of the most powerful passages in all the Bible, the Sermon on the Mount, and specifically the Beatitudes in chapter 5 of Matthew. And Jesus lays out what I think is shocking and unexpected teaching. Now, this is to Mm -hmm. believers, to his followers, and of, of what it looks like to live out kingdom values and to be a follower of Christ. And Jesus actually begins talking about who are the happy people. And so this idea that happy is a bad word or God doesn't want us to be happy. I don't see that in scripture. This is, this is laid out, but what is said about it is shocking. So Matthew chapter five, starting in verse three, I'm going to go ahead and read through verse 12 and just, just take all this in. It says that Jesus said this blessed. Now, every time I say blessed, this word means happy. Blessed are happy are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed or happy are those who mourn, for they will experience comfort. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Listen to this one. Blessed or happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed or happy are you when people insult you or persecute you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, this is significant because all of these descriptors that Jesus laid out, they, they appear opposite of what we would typically ascribe to what brings happiness. Mm-hmm. But Jesus didn't stutter. I mean, he is clear. Those who mourn, those who are peacemakers, persecuted, insulted. Why? Because these are the people who, through what they're going through, are increasingly emptied of themselves, but finding the happiness that Jesus talks about in the experience of walking with him, with the Lord, and the meaningful work that God is doing in their lives. Happiness is found in holiness Mm. and walking with him. I think there's a lot there to just chew on and just kind of let that settle. That's in Matthew? Matthew chapter 3, chapter 5, excuse me, verses 3 through 12. So let's close with some some action steps, just a couple. Some things that, you know, what do we do with this? And and before I I share two action steps, I, I do want to point out that I don't think the target of life is to always feel happy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a complete misunderstanding. And I think if we step back and think about it, I think we would agree with that. Sometimes we experience seasons of grief. Sometimes we go through really hard things and it's it's not the time that we're supposed to feel happy. And, and if we think we're always supposed to feel happy, especially the church, if the church is like, well, you... If you're not okay, you put the mask on mm-hmm. and you just pretend to be okay because you're supposed to, you know, the joy of the Lord. And, and I understand all that. I'm not dismissing that whatsoever. But you look, for example, in the Psalms and you have plenty of examples of these Psalms of lament. Oh, yeah. These were the worship songs when the church would come together, these songs that are laced with grief and anguish of painful things that they've gone through. Yeah. It's not just a sad song. I mean, it is deep feelings. It is heartbreak. It is anguish at times. And there's worship as you come before God in your grief. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, for the American church, the worship is, it's always sort of wrapped around the happy. But we have to recognize there's the full spectrum of human yeah. emotions. Oh, yeah. And all of that can be submitted to God and worship before him. Yeah, there's sometimes where we feel like, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't, worship didn't feel right today just because it didn't feel happy enough, but we would feel very out of place in some uh, Jewish worship settings if we had that same mindset. Absolutely. And I know for for sure that people who come to the church we get to serve at, New Hope mm-hmm. Church, they come and, and the worship's great, but sometimes on that morning, it's just, I got just got to be still before God. Mm-hmm. I'm not in a place because of maybe the week I had or something I'm going through that is just deeply painful or troubling. Mm-hmm to sing out. And so, so there becomes worship there as you pray or you just sit still before God. So I just, again, just, I just want to make sure that nobody leaves this podcast and takes away that I'm supposed to always mm-hmm. feel happy. And if I don't feel happy, then something must be wrong with me or my faith. Mm-hmm. 
that's not true. Now, we can still experience joy, Mm -hmm. God's joy, meaning peace, comfort, and even contentment in the midst of hard times. Mm -hmm. But I'm really talking about just the emotion. Yeah. So what does this mean? I want to suggest two, two action steps, two things to take in. The first is that you and I, all of us, that we would pursue holiness. And we've already talked about this, that we we make it an increasing priority to pursue the Lord and living a life marked of obedience. I didn't say perf- perfection. We, we all stumble in many ways, but that desire, I'm going to get in the Word so that I can live in, live out the Word. That's what I'm talking about. And as we do this, we will experience happiness through holiness. You know, for me personally, I am absolutely a work in progress, but I'll just testify to that being the case. You find happiness when you're living out something that matters, that meaningful life. And it's first and most about in relationship with Jesus and the work that he just wants to do in you and he wants to do through you. Mm -hmm. That becomes the epic life that God is calling us to. And then the last thing I'll mention is not only pursuing holiness, but I want to encourage all of us who are listening to this podcast that we would live a life also marked by pursuing gratitude. People who are thankful, they are happy. Mm-hmm. These are the people that have trained their mind to see God's blessing around them, and not just what they think is missing, uh, so that they all of a sudden become robbed of happiness or joy in that moment. See, we experience His contentment and joy as we practice gratitude, and I, and I mean that by expressing that that as we go through our day. And Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for the sunrise. Thank you for the job I get to go to or for the family that I have and praying a blessing over them. I mean, those are the kind of things that we begin to practice gratitude. We really do have an attitude shift. We have a whole mindset shift. And we begin to find joy and happiness no matter our circumstances when we do this. And as we do this, by the way, what we're doing is we're not following our heart, we're leading our heart. I, I like that you said practice because that is how it feels sometimes is I don't know how to be gracious. I don't know how to be thankful. I'm grumpy about everything. It's, yeah, I mean, I just came out of February, end of February and beginning of March is one of the roughest seasons in Iowa for me. Like I just get grumpy and practicing gratitude is not something that comes naturally in that moment, but as I'm more grateful, even as I say things that maybe not don't feel genuine, I mean, I am grateful, but I just don't feel it in that moment. As I am grateful, it changes how I view my day. It changes how I view the relationships I'm in. And so the practice becomes reality. Well said, Jake. Practice. Mm-hmm. Nobody rolls out of bed and just sort of gets this because mm-hmm. we've been trained all of our lives a different way so that we would each day practice mm-hmm. gratitude, that we would find ways, find ways to be thankful. We have to work on this. But as we do, the payoff is absolutely immense. Well, I think there's a lot there as we think about happiness and what the scriptures teach. For those of you who have been listening, thank you for taking time uh, to, to listen to this podcast. And as always, I want to encourage you to drop uh, me a note again, Ryan at newhopeadel.org to discuss more, or if you have further questions or, or want to talk about this topic or another one. But I do pray for both Jake and I, for, for all of you that are listening, that you would experience this kind of happiness as we together pursue really 
a different way of living, a, a way that is marked by denying self, that is prioritizing the Lord, that is pursuing holiness, that gives up this empty pursuit of happiness for happiness sakes, but finds it as a byproduct as we pursue something more meaningful. And that meaningful one is him and the work that he's doing in the world and in our lives. So God bless you as you take up that pursuit. Appreciate you all for listening. And we'll see you next time on What Do I Say podcast. I will-